Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Thanks for checking out the daily podcast for my show, Connecting Winnipeg. And if you can, please listen live weekdays from 10 to noon on 680 CJOB. The Southern Health Region's test positivity rate is at a whopping 14.5%. Compared to Manitoba's 4.9% overall, Winnipeg is only at 2%. Meanwhile, nearly half of the 154 new infections are in Southern Health. The province's single-day total caseload is the highest since mid-June. Tristan Field-Jones there reporting the latest COVID-19 numbers. Let's bring in Cynthia Carr to talk about it, epidemiologist at Epi Research. Cynthia, good morning. Good morning. Five-year high daily case count yesterday, 154 cases and some other concerning numbers in there too. Yeah, so this is our, our highest number uh, since, uh, I think it was June. Uh, so, um, you know, not where we want to be at all. And, uh, you know, although some regions are doing well, uh, uh, we know that, uh, unfortunately, right now, the Southern Health Region accounts for uh, one in three active cases and accounts for uh, 63% of our sickest people in the ICU are from that region. Do you think this might finally be the fourth wave kicking in? Because we've sort of been stable. It hasn't been as bad as I think a lot of people thought it would be. And then all of a sudden now, over the past you know few days, we have seen that trend, right? These numbers going up. That's right. So right now we're at uh, about 1,145 active cases. Each of those cases had an opportunity you know, to infect many other people, uh, particularly in areas where there's not enough prevention uh, or protection uh, to help prevent uh, transmission, um, you know, with our uh, vaccine coverage. So uh, every active case, uh, you know, could potentially uh, infect a large number of people. Just as a reminder, you know, on average, uh, research is showing that the Delta variant could infect on average six other people uh, versus our original strain where one person on average could infect, you know, kind of two to three at the most that's a huge difference you know there's a lot of noise uh back and forth but you know between people who believe this don't believe that get vaccinated i'm not going to get vaccinated then one of the numbers that i pay close attention to is hospitalizations and the number of people in intensive care as of mm-hmm. yesterday 115 people in hospital 24 in icu those numbers are starting to get back up there again, and that's concerning for everybody, right? Vaccinated or unvaccinated, because that means our healthcare system is being stretched. And we have seen in the past what happens when it gets to a certain point. We have to send people to other provinces. That's such a good point that, of course, we care about people with COVID-19. We don't want to see anybody in the ICU, but the ICUs were there well before this virus. Uh, there, uh, you know, the hospital uh, needs to be there. We're leading, going into flu season. So, again, please protect yourself, get vaccinated. Uh, pharmacies are open for appointments now. But, you know, we're seeing in Alberta, although they're coming down from, the, you know, the massive cases that they had, they're canceling surgeries. We have to, again, look at 
what is the potential risk upcoming? And that's the, the challenge for government in scheduling surgeries is saying, okay, what's life and death? But what is people who are genuinely suffering and their quality of life is impacted, waiting for whether it's diagnostic testing or surgeries, but we can't risk doing it in case that person needs a bed uh, and, uh, you know, the beds are taken up by people with, uh, you know, COVID-19, et cetera. So it really matters to all of us, uh, as particularly, as I said, we're going into our flu season now. I heard you with Richard Clucci and Julie Buckingham on the news the other day here on CJOB, and you sounded frustrated um, because people don't have to be getting sick to the point where they end up in hospital and die. We know these vaccines work. They're incredibly effective. If you were to rank your frustration 1 to 10, what's the number? Well, my, my frustration with people who are pushing a false narrative is a 10 plus, And I'll tell you why. Because the mental health and anxiety impact on people who are inundated with false information, and it's really hard when you're looking at your phone, looking at your computer, looking at a screen, some of these, like, they look really legit. It's like, well, that, that looks fancy and legitimate, and it, the information is false. And it is harming people, not just, you know, people who could become infected and die because they listened to somebody they shouldn't have. But the mental health uh, impact, I have a good friend who phoned me crying, saying, I'm scared, Cynthia, I'm so scared to get vaccinated because, quote, all of this information, I don't know who to believe. This is a very intelligent, well-meaning woman who is literally in tears and embarrassed to admit she hadn't been vaccinated yet. That's not fair. We don't want people to be embarrassed, frightened, anxious, losing sleep. Recent research has even shown that people who have been vaccinated, their their reduction in anxiety and stress is remarkable. So just on that alone, uh, it's important to consider this. So that's a long answer. I just have a top one is people spreading misinformation because you are hurting other people. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, and it's um, and and I I would love for you to. I can't imagine the stuff that comes to you, but you should see my uh, text message feed, my emails. I mean, mm-hmm. some of you're right. Some of it looks really legit, and people are saying to me, "Hey, Hal, what about this? This is a a doctor," and and you're right. This is made. Uh, I asked Jason Kinderchuk the other day about messaging. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think we've learned. Uh, going through this hopefully for next time and hopefully it's a long time before there's another pandemic but you never know Uh, i think Mm -hmm. the messaging and how we get the correct information to people is key well a couple of weeks ago i presented at the uh, disaster management conference and I was the last speaker, Dr. Rusin and Ms. Saragusa were the first, and there was a series of speakers over three days. And what struck me was the common theme about communication, messaging, and burnout and stress impact on employees, on trying to manage all of this, but as well as our community members. So, you know, it is no accident that when you look at the World Health Organization, their pandemic planning documents, number one, 
is communication and it's internal communication and then external communication. So stop the fighting internally if that's happening. Uh, choose your spokesperson. Keep that messaging consistent and clear. And that doesn't mean double down on something you thought yesterday. It means here's it's an evolving situation. Here's what we are learning as we go and what is the action. That is the core of public health, clear communication, and what is it that I need to do? And telling people things about vaccine that are completely untrue doesn't give anybody a course of action other than worry, be scared, and put myself at risk for um, becoming very sick from this virus. Yeah, and if you're, you know, if you're out there and you don't know, don't share it on social media, you know, just uh, because you're right, it ju- it just makes this whole situation, and it's tragic because people are getting sick and people are dying and people's surgeries, hip replacements, and even more serious stuff is being delayed uh, because these numbers are on the rise. And as you pointed out the other day with Rich and Julie, and as you just said here, it doesn't have to be. We've got a vaccine that two uh, and more vaccines that are incredibly effective. Speaking of effective, Pfizer, this is in the news today, Pfizer has a new experimental antiviral pill, and it says that the uh, pill will um, is 90% effective uh, in dealing with uh, keeping people out of hospital and, and keeping them alive. So, I mean, another weapon that we have in this war. I, I, I wonder if people are going to feel any better about a pill than they do about a vaccine. Right. So so that these are good news. Every scientific advancement is good news. Uh, this out of Pfizer, the data have not yet been peer reviewed. It's sort of an interim analysis uh, that's being reported. Uh, the 390 people that got the drug, three became hospitalized, no, no deaths. Of the 385 that got the placebo, 27 were hospitalized and seven died. It's a relatively, uh, you can hear from the numbers, small group. Uh, it's focused on the highest risk patients, and you would need to, like many antiviral drugs, be on top of it quickly uh, and start that course of action, usually within sort of the first three days. The challenge with COVID, right, if many people don't know that they're carrying that virus, uh, it can be more than three days. So, yes, every advancement helps, but we really want to focus on prevention. And as you pointed out early on, not peer-reviewed yet, and we'll keep an eye on that. Cynthia, thanks for your time today. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Bye-bye. The increases that our builders are experiencing are right in line with what the national averages are, uh, around $35,000 on an average home in terms of uh, additional lumber costs and uh, overall average cost of about 57000 Lanny McGinnis, the other day from Manitoba Home Builders, the cost increases in building a home, most of it going to lumber, 35000 on the average cost of a home. That's the increase for lumber, 57 overall for lumber and other materials. Joining us now, the president of the Western Retail Lumber Association, Liz Kovac. Liz, good morning. Good morning, Hal. How are you? Great. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. Um, so uh, I don't think people, uh, I certainly, when I heard those numbers went, you're kidding. Yeah, you know, the uh, there has been some sticker shock with uh, the inflation and a lot of prices um, over the course of this whole COVID pandemic. We've certainly received an excellent education in Economics 101 of 
supply and demand and how connected our global supply chain is and just how fragile it is in times of, of crisis that we've been experiencing. And of course, we've seen it inflation and it's not just on lumber. In fact, lumber has actually been coming down in price, but we're definitely seeing a lot of increases in other materials as well, just due to the current issues that we're facing in the supply chain. Yeah, and we've talked about the supply chain issues many times, so I think people are aware it's almost like a perfect storm, right? But you're saying that lumber prices are actually coming down, and what about availability? Easier to get lumber too? Yeah, there's definitely some of the more availability. Um, we have noticed that with some of the engineered wood products that would be used in a new build, as an example, those are a little bit more tough to come by still, and a lot of it has to do with the challenge on the resin front from the Gulf Coast. Um, we talked about the the freeze in Texas, and obviously it took a long time to recover from that, but the recent hurricane certainly didn't help the situation, and obviously has put additional pressure on that market and with the demand and trying to supply it all. It's certainly been, um, it's certainly been a challenge and not one that we're expecting to change until probably second, third quarter of 2022. I was going to ask you that. That's what I'm hearing too. I'm hearing, Hey, it could be a year before we see, and I'm doing the air quotes around yeah. <laughs> the world, the word normal, what's normal anymore, but I'm oh, yeah. hearing, yeah, it could be a year. Yeah, there's, if you take a look at the whole backlog with the containers and, and the backup at ports, I don't know if you've been following that situation, but mm-hmm. with the with the pressure on the materials needed, the challenges the labor market obviously has put additional pressure on everything because you need people to be able to offload those those containers. You need shipping and every area of every industry and every area of the supply chain is is feeling that pain of the labor piece. So on top of that, you've got containers that folks are paying astronomical amounts of money for, and that causes inflation, and all that increase in pricing does get passed on to the consumer. I'll just give you another example, too. I just had a roof done. I figured uh, I needed a roof done at, at the at the lake on, on a cottage, and I thought, well, I'll squeeze it in while the weather's nice. I was able to get somebody to do it for me, but I could not believe the price increase in shingles from even just a year or so ago when I last bought shingles. Yes, every building material is in such a different uh, state of Flux and shingles have not been immune. There was a shortage on the granules. There certainly was such a high demand in housing builds, both in the U.S. and Canada, that the demand completely outstripped the supply, and we're still seeing that issue now. Uh, Even on the steel side, if you're even looking for a metal roof, the same pressure is being experienced there. And it's the the fact that you were able to find somebody to do the work for you in this time is also excellent. Um, But this is certainly something that, we weren't, you know, when we were looking at this last year, we were we kept hoping that maybe come summer of of this year we'll start to see a little bit of easing. But we're we're still struggling in terms of getting the raw materials, in terms of production. There's other factors that obviously impact uh, the production, and that's in some of the manufacturing facilities. You might have fires. Obviously, they've got some maintenance that they need to do as well. So when you compound all of this together, you mentioned it. It's a perfect storm. It's there is no material that's immune right now. And I'll let you go. One more question, Liz. Is there any way to prepare for this for next time? I mean, or is it just one of those things that you could never have prepared for and there's nothing you can do at this point to prepare for it if it ever happens again? Well, that's a that's a really great question, and it's a tough question to have a, find a simple answer for. 
the way that we rely on other countries and other areas to manufacture products, we are not self-sufficient, let's say, in Canada to be a sole manufacturer. And um, this is a conversation we have a lot within our membership because we've even talked about, well, what are the, is there an option to maybe have more manufacturing take place closer to home? Well, that then puts the pressure on the labor costs, obviously, are significantly higher in Canada than they would be overseas, for example. So that would mean higher costs for some of the materials. And our economy is not set up that way, and it would definitely change. There would need to be a change in consumer habits in order for that to happen. Um, No one could have predicted the, the pandemic, and no one could have predicted all the PPE that would have been required. And I suspect that once we get through this, folks will be preparing for any type of crisis like this, you know, in terms of maybe having more stock if they can. Um, but there's also space limitation. So that's a tough uh, question to come up with a perfect answer mm-hmm. with because we're so globally connected. Liz, thanks for this. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Liz Kovac, president of the Western Retail Lumber Association. We're talking about uh, the cost of building, well, a whole, I mean, home prices. That's what got us talking about it. Um, you know, 75, uh, sorry, $57,000. That's the increase in material prices, according to the Manitoba Home Builders uh, Association, on the average cost of a home, 35000 of that 57000 for lumber alone uh tell me your experience out there uh have you had to buy lumber or other materials lately were you able to get the materials you wanted what were you paying for them how much more tell me your stories 204-780-6868 or hal at cjob.com by the way uh congratulations to linda linda uh, got the tough trivia question right. Oh, by the way, uh, Matt Abra, producing the show back at CGOB, what uh, prize did Linda take? Which one did she pick? Did she take the Santa Lucia pizza, or did she take the tickets and treats at Landmark Cinemas? She took the movies. Ah, okay. So that means at the end of the show, when we play Total Recall, we'll be playing for a Santa Lucia pizza gift certificate. But Linda got the question right. Tough trivia. Here's the question again. Almost 10% of people in this profession are seriously injured each year. Clowns. Linda knew that the profession is being a clown. Apparently, a lot of serious injuries in that profession. So, more winning coming up at the end of the show when we play Total Recall for that Santa Lucia pizza. I just want to take a second here uh, before we take a break uh, to remind you that Jim Toth and I, Jim Toth, of course, host of the Jim Toth Show this afternoon and every weekday afternoon on CGOB from 1 to 3. He does uh, Jets at Noon for a full hour now at Camp Poitras, and then he does his own show, the Jim Toth Show. Uh, Jim, I can't even remember if it was me. I think Jim mentioned Movember, and then I said, hell yeah. And so we got a bit of a challenge going. Um, I want to thank Steve Strang, my my friend Steve Strang, who is the first person to make a donation. I finally got my uh, page up yesterday at Movember.com. Steve Strang, thank you. Uh, Brent Mazur, guy I worked with in radio many years ago, also donated. Chris and Tim Walsh, the Walsh twins in Transcona, both gave. Janice and Catherine, not a bad first day of collecting donations for men's health at movember.com all you've got to do is go to movember.com if you want to support me or you can support jim 
if you want. Dr. Cyrus Dirksen, he's with us every Friday after the 1130 news. dot com. Cyrus, good morning. Good morning, Hal. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you very much uh, for doing this. Mm. I appreciate it. First headline here for Cyrus, depression and anxiety are on the rise globally. No surprise, eh, Cyrus? You know, it's not a surprise, but it's still interesting to actually kind of get the numbers in and see that this is a real thing that's affecting people in different ways. Like anxiety disorders are up 25%, and this is worldwide. Depressive disorders are up 27%. These are huge global numbers. This is affecting the world, and it's just something to witness as you see it. I mean, there's some kind of interesting kind of points about this. One is that women seem to be getting the brunt of this or getting more of it, maybe not the brunt, but the more of it, like increase of 29% versus men, increase of 24 for depression. And then younger people, the younger you are, seems to be worse for the kind of amount of stress that people are experiencing, 20 to 39 worse than 40 to 49 which is worse than being 50 to 50 and so on so it's just an interesting kind of sobering reality as this wave of the pandemic is followed by this wave of kind of mental health struggles over the world yeah and i think it's you know we're going to be talking about this pandemic and its effects for decades i think it's going to be many Mm -hmm. many years uh the long haulers on the physical side of covid and and the after effects and then mental health for sure and i think we're going to be talking about it for a a long long time depression and anxiety certainly Mm -hmm. a big problem uh, in the wake of this pandemic uh next headline here for cyrus is purpose or pleasure the key to happiness as we age this is a good one i'm a 57 year old guy and i think about stuff like this more often than not purpose or pleasure what is happiness about as we age right i mean early in my life it was about career and uh, you know and then marriage and but now you know I, you, in your mind i think you kind of think you've got things figured out and and you're trying to find that happiness mm-hmm. it's not an easy thing and there's lots of books and you know papers out there talking about like the happiness trap or the happiness myth and and i think there is this idea that you know and there's this recent showing that if you kind of go after happiness itself sometimes it becomes more elusive and if you go after things like meaning uh, you'll, uh, you'll maybe actually solve a problem out there in the world or build a relationship. It actually leads to kind of, well, I guess, happiness or a sense of well-being at least. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of research behind that. There's a lot of research kind of really suggesting that, especially as you get over 50 and things like this, a purpose, which could be, I define purpose as, you know, service, something other than yourself, serving something, yeah. or relationship. Those are the two big ones are really important. And uh, But this article was finding that, Pleasure is also important. I mean, if you become a workaholic, if you're just serving all the time, uh, there's, a, there's a problem there too. And in the end, if I skip to, get to the end of this, they kind of found that there's a Goldilocks place where if you have more leisure time, people are happier. If you have more kind of pleasure orientation, you're happier. But you do get to the point, and this can happen in retirement, that's one of the triggers, where you have too much free time, all of a sudden you do have a lack of purpose, you have boredom, aimlessness, things like this and actually reduce our feeling of well-being. So you kind of want to hit the balance. You want to have, you don't have to choose. You can have pleasure and purpose, and you want a bit of both, maybe a bit of both every day. 
Hmm. Yeah, boy, it's a balancing act, right? Like so much in life. I'm curious to know something. Um, you know, when I was 50, I found myself out of the business that I loved. And I wasn't ready to hang up the headphones at that point. Um, I'm just curious, and, and I love this business, right? Like I look forward to my two hours on the air every day. Like I can't tell mm-hmm. you how important it is for me to do this, and I love doing it. People that had a job or a profession or a career where they were passionate about it, different for them later in life when trying to figure out purpose or pleasure compared to somebody who had a job nine to five and they were sort of indifferent about the profession and and the job and they just did it to put food on the table? You know, that's a really good question, Hal. I'm probably going to have to come back to that one. I don't know. I think that's uh, it's just an interesting idea to think about. Yeah. Because uh, some of us have more of that orientation where work is our purpose, and some of us have more of an orientation where you just go to work, and then you're done. You're done at the end of the day. And I think, mm-hmm. I mean, from what I've seen, I'm well, thinking about it a little bit. I don't have any research behind it, but from what I've seen, there's people who, when they really find their work meaningful, they really want to finish well. When people are kind of taken out by a health concern or especially a mental health concern, people really don't like that. They're like, I don't, yeah. I want to finish well. And then, so that's kind of a, you know, a thing that there could be there for everybody, but I think it's a little less if it's just a job, if you don't care mm-hmm. about it, if you don't identify with it and uh, then people don't seem to care as much. And sometimes they save their meaning for after work or for something in retirement. But I do think it's important that when people, either way, when people are coming out of uh, kind of something meaningful or if they're coming out of something that they didn't care for at all, that they don't kind of hang things up entirely. And it's kind of time to kind of redo, to recreate something in your life and not end mm-hmm. something in your life. And so that's, that's probably important for all of us, but we should come back to that question about the difference, yeah. the difference between coming from different kinds of careers. Yeah. And, and listen, I just want to sort of know what you, as a psychologist, how you feel about it. Uh, I know it's often nice to back things up with research, but mm-hmm. you're talking to people all the time. Right. And so I, I, I always trust your, your thoughts on stuff like this. Before I get to the final headline here, Cyrus, I was talking earlier about a show uh, that I'm really into right now and just loving it. It's called Love on the Spectrum. It's on on Netflix, and it's about people on the spectrum finding love. And many of these people are 30, 35, have never gone on a date before. And I, I mentioned the show, and Teresa, who obviously has watched the show as well, sent in this text message at 204-780-6868. She says, how love on the spectrum is simply beautiful. We all just want to be loved and cherished. It's a wonderful show, but when Teresa sent that in, She's so right. You know, we all want to just be loved and cherished. And these people in this show on the spectrum uh, have obviously different challenges than most of us in order, uh, you know, in trying to find love and have that connection and find a partner. Um, We really do, you know, we're talking about happiness. We really do just want Mm. to be happy. We want to have a purpose. We want to be loved. We want to be cherished, right? I mean, these are the basic needs, the things we want in life. Oftentimes a relationship is kind of becomes a purpose in your life and that kind of qualifies. And yes, it can be confusing for people because sometimes when people don't seem, sometimes people have problems in their life, problems with the way that they interact. They just can't understand social interactions or too anxious to engage in it. They're too inattentive or impulsive to engage in, in interactions in the ways that our society wants or other people want. And it, and it can look like they don't want it. They can look like they don't need it. They can look like it doesn't matter. It's like, well, you don't seem to care because you don't seem to interact. It's like, well, I'm too anxious to, or I don't know how to. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I think this is something that's true for almost everyone. 
uh, is that that desire to be close, and most of the time when you see somebody who's not, it's because they, they actually do want it. They just don't know how to go out and, and find that for themselves. And so, yeah, I mean, if, if for people who are on the spectrum, it can be very challenging because uh, oftentimes I, I considered like romance, the Olympics of social skills. And so, <laughs> that's you know, that, that's the, that's the di- most difficult thing to engage in is this kind of, you know, kind of nonsensical social dance that our, our culture creates for us to kind of measure mm-hmm. our own competence and, and, and health. And uh, yeah, and it can be very difficult for people who are already struggling with some of the basic things to kind of be able to get over the hurdles there and find, mm-hmm. find love. Yeah, great show. Check it out if you haven't already checked it out. And final headline for Dr. Cyrus, the myth of the cynical genius. What's this about? <laughs> well, I don't know if you feel this way, but when I go to a movie and I say I like the movie, I'm being a little more vulnerable than if I go to a movie and say I don't like it. It feels a little safer for people to be cynical, to be you know, mistrusting, to kind of to look like they don't care, to look like they're negative. Uh, it's a so it's a safer social place, and it also is a place of looking like you're more intelligent. And people mm-hmm. will often have this feeling, maybe because of social media or like or the or the media in general, kind of this feeling like there's these kind of you know super geniuses who are all kind of negative and and don't trust other people. When in actuality, if you actually look at the research, people who are trusting are actually found to be more intelligent and also uh, more warm. Now, people, when they look at the cynical genius, they don't think they're warm. They're not nice to get along with, for sure, but they do see them as more intelligent. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting to find that it is people who have more education and also people just who have a greater raw intelligence are more uh, are more trusting in society. Um, and so this is something to think about when you go out there. It's like you don't have to, um, you know, believe, you're not naive necessarily, if you trust other people, you're, it's, it's actually a very kind of, uh, you have good company. There's lots of intelligent people who find it to be a better life, to be, you know, something that's worthwhile to trust other people. And uh, even though it's difficult, because obviously when you go out and you trust people, you get hurt. Um, but I would have to say that if you go out and you trust people, it's usually a better program for yourself in order to have a meaningful, productive life. And so uh, often you have to try to figure out how to deal with those painful moments when you do get burned. Mm -hmm. Hey, Cyrus, before I let you go here, a text message just came in. I want to share it with you and everybody listening, 204-780-6868. Hal, thank you so much for the discussion on meaningful work. It's exactly where I am at. I have had some health issues uh, that I have to work at, but continuing from a place where I was at a job I didn't love or hate, but the environment was toxic, definitely feeling the need to get back to an area of work where I feel like uh, I matter and have a positive impact. Please revisit in future discussions. Would love to hear more about it. Really enjoying the segments you have with Dr. Cyrus and other guests on well-being. So there you go, Doc. Mm. Oh, that's good. Well, what a great message. So true. You, you know, it's the sick role is a great role but if it lasts too long it can become very painful for people so yes you want to be able want to be able to take breaks but to be able to get back to a purpose it's just a better life that's for sure we'll talk more about it in the future cyrus have a great weekend no thanks a lot how you too